Hello. Welcome to Mask Optional Monday. <laughs> it's good to see you guys. Um, before we s jump in, so if you have a small group Genesis book, who has one of those? And you can raise it up. You can show us what it looks like. Okay. If you have one of those, I hope you'll pull it out. It's, um, it's, there's spots for you to take notes in there. If you don't have one, we have them in the back. TJ, right, has some of those. If you do, have you have not gotten one yet? Anybody need one that hasn't gotten one yet? And um, there are also pens. TJ, would you grab the pens? If you do not have a writing utensil tonight, um, I would love for you to have one. Because uh, we're gonna, at the, as, we're, as we wrap up at the end, I'm gonna give you a couple minutes to write some things down, okay? Who needs a pen? Raise your hand. Hi, proud, proudly, proudly needing a utensil. Abigail in the back needs one. Oh, you got one, okay. Great, thanks. So um, last week we started a new series called Origin Story. Um, and that's also, again, what we're studying in our small groups. And so just like Superman has an origin story, we are reading through the book of Genesis because that is our origin story. It's the story of how and why we were created and what has brought us to this point. And knowing our origin story is important because it's how we understand who God is and how we understand who we are. So last week, we looked at the creation of the world, right? Genesis chapter 1 and 2, um, that the world and everything in it was created with order and with purpose. God created everything, and it was good. There was a reason that creation happened the way that it did, and um, God set it up uh, so that we would win like <laughs> in the best way possible. But very quickly in the story, things take a turn in the lives of Adam and Eve this week. And it impacts all future generations. What happens is passed down from generation to generation. And we'll see that their decision in the garden impacts each one of us to this very day. So tonight we're looking at what happens in our origin story when Adam and Eve choose something different than what God intended for their good. Okay, so just a recap of chapters one and two where we were this last week. God creates the world. He creates Adam and Eve. They're in this beautiful garden. They are naked and unashamed. And Adam is very happy that he got Eve instead of like an orangutan or something, right? So that's, that's where we are. And they have the sweet life in the garden where everything is exactly as it should be. So tonight we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter three. And you have the text in your study guide, um, or I'll have it on the screen here. So Genesis 3, starting with verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from that tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. 
you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. All right, so uh, one thing that we've learned from the the last, I don't know, five or six years in our culture is fact-checking is important. So let's do a little fact-checking here on this conversation between Eve and the serpent. Um, First of all, what did God really say? Okay, let's look back. We're going to go back to chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. All right, let's hear, let's roll the tape. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay, so he says, first, you can eat from any tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And second, he says, and if you eat from that tree, you will certainly die, right? So pay attention to what the serpent does. First, he twists God's words to confuse Eve. And you see how it works. Like she even adds to what God actually said as she is kind of confused about this and says, she adds, oh yeah, we can't even touch that tree. But God never said anything about touching the tree, right? Then he blatantly disputes what God says, making Eve question God and his goodness. Eve lives in like this super awesome place where everything is as it should be and she lacks nothing Like, nothing could be better, and yet the serpent is able to plant just enough doubt in Eve's mind that she begins to wonder, what am I going to miss out on? Can I trust God? Is there something better out there? Does anybody else ever think that, thoughts like that? (laughs) Am I going to miss out? Yeah, is there something better? Like, we know that God calls us as, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, to give him our whole lives. But I'm in college. Like, if I do think God's way, am I going to miss out on the college experience, whatever that means? <laughs> I don't know. Of course, I know that lying and cheating is wrong, but it'll take me four more hours to finish this paper if I don't borrow from other sources. And so if I do the God-honoring thing, then like my GPA could drop. And then what if I can't get a job? And what if I miss out because I do it God's way? Or maybe it's that the culture around us says one thing, but the Bible says something different. And we begin asking, can God's word really be true? And we forget that our origin story is what set us up to win. Like, it was the way that we were intended to live for the very best. It's for our good. Created by a creator who loves us. Let's keep reading in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. So the first time in the garden, they felt shame. They felt embarrassed. They wanted to hide. See, God had made everything with purpose and order, and it was good. 
but one of Satan's favorite tools is shame. His strategy is always to try to separate us from God, to get us to question or to confuse what's true about God, and ultimately to dispute what is good and what is true. Let's keep reading in verse 8 of chapter 3. So then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I just wonder, like, what did that sound like? To hear the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. This is such an interesting interaction, isn't it? Like, if God is all-knowing, right, if God knows everything, all-powerful, why does he need to ask the question, where are you? Do you think he knew where Adam and Eve were? Yeah. I think maybe he wasn't asking so much about Adam's physical location, like the GPS kind of thing, but his spiritual location. Where was Adam in relation to God? Where are you putting your confidence and your trust? Um, Again, I think that God already knew the answer of where Adam was putting his trust and his confidence and who he was listening to, but perhaps God wanted to ask the question just so Adam had to think about what he would answer. So Adam and Eve's response is pretty familiar to most of us. They respond to shame by hiding and by blaming right? Eve's choice, it spirals out of control pretty quickly. Like her decision to eat the apple, it's not just that. She gets Adam then to eat the apple, and then they continue to go rogue by trying to like hide the whole thing. And God calls to them, and then the blaming starts. And Adam blames Eve. He says, that woman, and then he really kind of even blames God. That woman that you put here with me, like why did you do this, God? You should take some of the blame here. And then Eve blames the serpent. And we can kind of roll our eyes at Adam and Eve, like how silly to think that you can hide from God. Um, But we do the same thing, right? You can't hide from God. You and I both know that we can't hide from God. But when we sin, what do we do? We hide from God. We try hiding from God by doing a lot of different things. Sometimes it's filling our lives with noise. TV, people, headphones, like if we, don't, if we don't sit in silence, then we don't have to face it. Maybe it's busyness, activity, um, so we don't have time to think about it, about anything that might make us feel uncomfortable. We deal with sin by blaming, and I know I do this. Um, sometimes we try to hide by blaming other people, and I will walk in the door of my house and with a very critical eye start asking questions about why didn't anybody unload the dishwasher? Why are those couch pillows on the floor? And suddenly I realize that the person I'm really frustrated with is myself because I didn't handle a conversation very well earlier in the day or because I was being impatient or unkind 
and I'm feeling guilty, and so I'd like to put the attention somewhere else. And in this ideal place, this is the point in the story where sin enters the picture. And that's not a word that most of us enjoy talking about, right? Sin is what breaks the order and the perfection of the world that God originally created. Sin is what we call it when we decide to choose our own way instead of God's perfect plan. It's any kind of deviation from that origin story that God set us up with. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So as much as we don't want to talk about sin, the truth is that we have all sinned. Every person in this room, me and you and David and Renee and Tufumi and Sebastian, and like all of us have sinned and continue to sin probably fairly regularly instead of following God's perfect plan. This may be a new concept for you because our culture really does not like to talk about sin. We don't like calling anything out as being not okay, right? It's like it's a sin to call out sin. But here's why it's really important that we talk about sin. Sin has consequences. Sin breaks our relationship with God. It makes it hard to see him. It makes it hard to remember the truth about who he is and about who we are and what we were created for. And as you see this interaction like with Eve and the serpent, it's almost like you can, you can see it happening on the page as she begins to be drawn away from God's intended good and get confused about what God said, and about who God is. That is how sin works. I have this um, silver pitcher that I brought with me tonight. It's silver. Um, it, this has been passed down um, really at least three generations in my family. Uh, my grandmother had it, and then my mom had it, and now I have it. And um, I remember, like, I remember my mom Growing up, would put ice water in it, and um, like when we'd have guests over, it would sit on the table. Or sometimes she would put flowers from her garden in it, um, and that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to hold water. It's it's a container, and it's a it's a pretty picture. I mean, it's got this like really nice, intricate kind of handle, and it's got a wide spout, um, so it serves the purpose pretty well. And I've had it uh, probably 15 years now. And it sits in my cupboard, like on a really high shelf, because, uh, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't think I would want to drink out of it. Like if, if somebody, if I was at your house and you poured water out of this pitcher, I might be a little concerned about like what kind of mineral deposits would be in my water. And so it just sits in my cupboard. <laughs> um, see, the thing is that when silver is exposed to the air and the toxins in your home, like um, hairspray and the candles that we burn and uh, cooking spray <laughs> and all kinds of things. When, when the air combines with those things, it tarnishes silver and it leaves this film on everything. And so uh, you used to be able to see your reflection in this, but you can't anymore. So currently, it's not really fulfilling its purpose. 
It's sitting in my cabinet. And it seems kind of silly to own this beautiful thing that has so many like personal, special memories attached to it and not use it. And often this is what sin can look like in our own lives. Um, we know from last week that we were created intentionally with purpose. And God's creation, all of God's creation, was very good. And this picture was created with purpose, and it was created to be beautiful, and it was created to be useful. But sin does something to mar the image of the created thing. It takes what God created, and it can leave this, like, filthy tarnish. It, it coats things with shame and ugliness, and it distorts the creation enough that it doesn't even serve its intended purpose anymore. That thing that was made in the image of God now can barely reflect anything at all. So maybe that's how you have felt when you have felt stuck. Um, when you have felt stuck from toxins, unhealthy things in your life that just seem to coat everything and leave kind of a dull tarnish. When you have felt broken, you have felt the effects of sin. You felt far from God without purpose or meaning, or you felt overwhelmed. The good news is that God has a plan, just like he had a plan for creation. He has a plan for our sin. This is where the wheels usually fall off. <laughs> we screw up and we hide and we blame and we try to sew together some leaves to cover our shame, but fig leaves only cover so much. God has a much better way to handle our sin, better than hiding or trying to cover our sin with leaves. Let's read chapter 3, verse 21. It says, the Lord God then made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. So man tried to figure out how to fix sin with leaves. I can't imagine that they were very comfortable or um, that they would last very long. I would guess that if leaves would like get dry and then they would break and then you're not covering everything the way you want to. But God covered them with warm, heavy skins from animals. The thing is that those, those skins had to come from something. Something else in that perfect place had to die so that Adam and Eve's sin could be covered. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, paying the penalty of our sin and making it possible for us to live a new way. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. He has a plan not just to cover our sin and to forgive our sin, but to renew all things. Like to renew our purpose, to renew our relationship with God, and really our relationship with ourselves. He cleans us up to reflect his image once again, and he remembers, helps us remember who we were created to be. So um, over the weekend, I went to the hardware store, and I got um, silver polish, silver cream. Um, and I felt guilty, you know, that I had this beautiful pitcher, and I wasn't using it. It was made to serve people in my home, and I like to entertain, and especially now that we don't have to wear masks, maybe I'll have more people in my house. Um, 
I tried soap and water. Like if you try, like I have this this cloth, this cotton cloth that you're supposed to use on important things. And um, if you rub, like the tarnish doesn't come off. But there's this special product that's made just for silver. And just like this, we were created in the image of God. So that when people would see us, that we would reflect him, that we would reflect his image. You are still created in the image of God. The fall and the introduction of sin into the world and evil into the world doesn't change that, okay? You're still created in the image of God. The presence of sin in your life doesn't change that you were created in the image of God. The choices that you make don't change that you were created in the image of God. So God sent Jesus who became human in order to restore the divine image in us. His sacrifice on the cross um, is what makes it possible for all of this to be wiped away and to once again be able to see an image in my silver pitcher. This would be sad if it didn't work, right? But can you see that? Can you see how shiny it is? Like, I can see, I can see my face. I can see my gray hair. I can see my glasses. I can see the screen behind me. I can't wait for you guys to come to my house. I'm going to pour you drinks out of this. But here's what we need to know, is that you don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to stay stuck in your sin, feeling far removed from your purpose, um, feeling unusable in your sin. If you've ever played hide-and-seek with um, preschoolers, it's the most ridiculous thing because um, they, they don't know that you can see them, right? Like, we had some kids over. We were babysitting for some kids, and there was this little girl named um, Monia, and she was four years old. And she would hide, and I'd walk into the room, and I would see her. She would have a blanket, like, over her head and nothing else. Like, the rest of her body is completely out, and you can see. But as long as she can't see me, she thinks that I can't see her. Or she'd hide behind the curtains, but you could see her feet sticking out from there. And I can't help but think um, that sometimes that's how we look to God. We mess up and we try to hide from God and we think, man, if I just don't make eye contact, like if I just don't, if I don't interact with him, maybe he will find somebody else to pay attention to. As long as I don't think about it, maybe it will just resolve itself and go away. And really we're like covering our heads with blankets and thinking that God doesn't see, that he doesn't know where we are. But sin is really important. Because it changes our relationship with God. And it makes it hard for us to remember who we were created to be. And so tonight we want to give you some time to kind of reflect on that. To think a little bit about stuff that maybe we don't want God to notice in our lives. Um, I think for some of us we just hide from God because we are unsure about a relationship with him, that it seems like it could be really scary and it's maybe easier um, to just not deal with it. 
maybe your hiding involves pornography or a sexual relationship, and you think, like, nobody knows about it, and is it really hurting anybody? But it's making it harder and harder for you to connect with God, for you to hear from him. Maybe it's an attitude of disobedience. Like, you know that God is asking for every part of you, but you hold bits and pieces back from God. Like, you can have this part, but, but not this over here. Or maybe it's the sin of selfishness or unkindness or gossip. And instead of admitting that sometimes you're kind of a jerk, you just do a whole bunch of religious things to try to feel better about yourself. The invitation tonight is for all of us because we've all sinned and fall short. But the invitation is to stop hiding. And it begins with just answering the question that God asked Adam, where are you? Where are you? Like with me. With God. We're going to have a few minutes tonight um, for you to just kind of journal some, uh, like a time of confession. It's a prayer time for you to stop hiding and to spend a few minutes talking to God and So I've got some questions here um, for you to think about. How would you answer if God were to ask, where are you? Is there something in your life that keeps you from reflecting the image of your creator? And what sin do you need to confess to God and ask him to restore the beauty and the purpose that he created in you? So take a few minutes to talk to God about that to be quiet and listen to what might come to mind as you ask those questions. Um, And then to rest in the knowledge that he is a God who knows you, that he loves you, that he created you with purpose in his image, and he longs to forgive and to restore you. God, I pray for tonight, just in this moment, would you help help us to focus, to be real with ourselves and to be real with you, and to hear from you as we release those things that get in the way of that sin that breaks relationship with you. Thank you for being a God who wants to restore, restore that and make all things new. Just spend a few minutes doing that now. So we are going to read a prayer of confession together. It will be on the screen. So would you join me in praying this prayer to God? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. 
We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. And now we know through the death and resurrection of Jesus and who he is, that we are right with God again, and we are not stuck in our sin, that there is a way out. And so I want to read this assurance of forgiveness over you um, right now. So I don't know if it's most helpful for you to close your eyes, for you just to listen. Maybe it's helpful to see my face. I don't know what that's like, but this, um, this is what is true, and you are forgiven. So listen to these words. Beloved children of God, Because of the selfless love of Jesus Christ, our sins have been forgiven and our brokenness is being healed. The Holy Spirit speaks comforting words to us of Christ's hope, which is our anchor, of God's peace, which is our rock, of the unfailing grace, which is our refuge. We have been empowered to live in freedom, joy, and love in our hearts, homes, and workplaces for the sake of the world. Amen.